Welcome to Aphesis Church Podcast Channel. If you're in Columbia, South Carolina area, we would love to get to know you better and for you to experience what Aphesis is all about. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at aphesischurch.com. It is our prayer that this message truly speaks to you. God bless. I'm going to read again 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10, and it reads this, but by, grace, but, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was set with me or was on me. Today, I want to preach this, this simple thought. Grace made me do it. Grace made me do it. Praise God. If we could together bow our heads. Lord, I need you. That's an understatement. Lord, we need you. I pray bless this church in a mighty way. God, I'm grateful, Lord, for your power and presence that we felt here in the music and worship and lifted hands and lifted voices. God, I pray that that prepared the soil of our hearts, I pray. I pray, oh Lord, let your word, let your word germinate in us. Let it, God, stretch in us and take root, God. And God, show us that favor. God, I pray, amplify that grace. I pray, help me, your preacher today, be used by your spirit, God. I need you more than ever right now. God, we thank you together. Would you begin to clap your hands unto the Lord? Would you begin to shout, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for me. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for me. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In Jesus' name, Jesus' name, Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. High five somebody before you're seated. You know, children are so many things. I have it in my notes, wonderful, but the spirit moved on me to say many things. <laughs> um, they, they are fun, and they can, you can love them and hate them at the same time. You can uh, want to hug them and strangle them at the same time. Uh, children are unique, and we all were children at one time, and some of them are, some of us are stuck as children, and, and, uh, but I want to talk a little bit about how my children have taught me some things, and, and as I always do, and I'm grateful that, um, I don't know if I'd have a ministry without children, as you know, I always get to talk about them. But there was a young time I'll never forget. My, uh, we were living in an apartment in Orlando, and we we uh, well, I'm sorry, Port Orange, and it was a very tiny space. It was a two bedroom, um, very small um, apartment. Uh, we we moved there uh, quickly just so for the purpose of uh, getting there to that place. Uh, we were assistant pastors in that area, and the goal was to find a house and move into it. And that's what we also did here. We just kind of 
of said, we're moving into a very small place momentarily. Um, but while we're in that tiny place, my, my youngest daughter, Mercy, she was three years old. And uh, I had the opportunity to work at home. And uh, my wife, unfortunately, she had to work in Orlando. So she drove like an hour, a minimum an hour there and an hour back on a good day with no sun and the traffic was non-existent. So if it, it wasn't that type of day, she would take many more hours to get home. But I got to stay home, and, and Ivy at the time, she was in kindergarten. This is her time to go into school for the first time, and I would uh, walk her to the bus stop, and you should have seen Ivy. I mean, it looked like a Ninja Turtle because she had this backpack that was four times the size of her body. It just looked like a giant shell on a turtle. And, and, and she would run to, the, to the, 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 the bus stop and you'd see this backpack just bouncing behind her. That was just, it was like backpack with legs. And so we were excited too when she would get home and we'd go to the bus stop, me and Mercy. And me and Mercy, uh, we'd call it... Uh, me, uh, Daddy and Mercy days is what we used to call it because that's all it was. This was Daddy and Mercy at home all day long. Now, my job was, I had a job, but I had to uh, be on the computer much of my time. I had to make sure that uh, uh, I was on call. I had to make sure that uh, whenever we did conference calls. I was video chats. I mean, we were Zooming before Zoom was a thing. And so I had to make sure that, you know, everything looked appropriately. And I would always say my coworker never respected my space. And I always called Mercy my coworker because she would walk in uh, half, half awake and her hair was all over the place. And she was always wanting me to turn on some Scooby-Doo or something and, and she would always somehow get into the video camera and I'd have to like kind of push her away or I'd have to take a still shot of my face and mute the, the, the computer and I'd run and get her all set up and put together and, and get her comfortable and I'd run back and I'd do all those things and I, I, I that was some good times and some fun times but Mercy taught me a phrase that uh, I thought was very funny her and her sister, they, they loved at the time craft cheese. Craft cheese, you know, in the, in, the, in the plastic wrap, you know what I'm talking about, singles, craft singles. We would have those for sandwiches and everything like that. Well, one day, one day as we were, you know, spring cleaning, we are in Mercy's room, and we began to move some furniture to clean behind it. And behind the bed was about 38 pounds of plastic wrap. <laughs> All in craft cheese formation. And I, we went, what is this? And we, we realized that Mercy would go in the middle of the night, help herself to the refrigerator, grab herself some cheese, walk back to her room, and enjoy a cheesy snack. <laughs> now, when we went to Mercy, Mercy, what is this? And this is hard to get on a three-year-old. Mercy, what are you doing? Why would you do this? This is, you don't do this. And she, in her sweet little voice, but Dad, Ivy made me do it. <laughs> Ivy taught me where the cheese was at. Ivy would say, put that, don't worry about it, just put it behind your bed. 
put it in that void in space that's like a black hole that no one ever knows where it goes. And it taught me this, that kids learn so much through example and how funny it is that we have this response that somebody made me do it and it's easier to pass the buck at times it's easier to take off responsibility and leave somebody holding the bag but today instead of reprimand, reprimanding that behavior instead of you know taking out the belt as good old ads will do and say stop doing that I want to preach to you and encourage you to practice it a little bit today I want us to understand this statement is is so so uh, easy to, uh, to grasp but I want us to see that God is trying to teach us that it's okay to blame some things on him it's okay to lean on God it's okay to say grace made me do it the statement so-and-so made me do it is usually always birthed out of an act that is so absurd, like crap cheese wrappers. Or acts things are so wild, things so crazy, things so unthinkable. This It's an act that is so far outside of normality. Everyone is stunned by it. That this exact type of environment of, of craziness, people see and wonder who is to blame. And I want to talk a little bit about Noah today. I want to talk about his processes because he lived in an environment environment of a if I could call it that way. He lived in a time where the world was as wicked as it could be. Yeah. It didn't get any more wicked. And we are, we're believing a prophetic word today that so are the days of Noah. Right. We're believing, I, I've got to undo a button here because I just feel like I need to preach that a little bit more. We are living in a day where evil is waxing worse and worse. And God, the Spirit of the Lord, is speaking woe to them that called evil good and put, you know, you know, sweet for bitterness and change definitions and turn things around. I hope you understand we're living in that day. Everybody was wicked. Everybody was a sinner. There was no righteous person on earth whatsoever during the day of Noah. Genesis 6 and 5 says this, and God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Every single thought that came in the head was sinful. Every single desire was evil. Every single plan was selfish and self-absorbed and evil and full of flesh and carnality and God saw that all these things happening and God was sorry that he made us we became a sin unto God our humanity creation itself was a sin unto the one who made us well you don't get it first time in scripture anywhere where anybody repented it was God repenting in this moment you could see God I'm so sorry I made you I'm God oh I believe he prayed to himself that's all right oh me oh me oh my oh I messed up I, I rue the day I, I I breathed into Adam I I rue the day I made this earth I, I'm so tired of their of their wickedness I'm so tired of these things look at Genesis 6 and 6 and it repented the Lord that he made man on the 
the earth. And it grieved him at his heart. His heart was broken. Every single moment of God's existence in this season, it was full of grief because of us. But you've got to understand in that environment of absurdity. Can you believe that? The God of all gods, the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, that he would hate us. He would hate the fact that we are alive. He would repent at the fact that I made you. He would be so sorry that you're in existence. And that's the, that's the environment Noah was living in. That's the place Noah was abiding in. But judgment was coming. Genesis 6 and 7 and the Lord said I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air for it repenteth me that I have made them but it's so powerful to see that God reaches for somebody in an environment of absurdity and says, I, I'm going to use you. Look at Genesis 6 and 13 here. And God said unto Noah, the end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them from, from this earth. Verse 14, go ahead, make thee an ark of gopher wood, rooms shalt thou make in the ark and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch and he goes on explaining dimensions and gives them the you know encouragement to put it this way and that way and I'm going to fill it up verse 17 and behold I even I do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh wherein is the breath of life from under heaven and everything that is in this earth shall die but with thee will I establish a covenant and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. I want us to even greater understand this. This, this word, uh, Brother Mattman kind of brushed over it in his teaching, and, and I, I like it. We, we have, we have a, a kind of a timeline in that chapter that God says that, you know, man's, man's time limit is only going to be 120 years. Some can, sometimes people like to uh, lean on that as though maybe that's when God... God decides that I'm not going to allow men to live so long. Some believe those things, but also some, you know, if we look at it practically as well, God is also saying it's going to take 120 years for you to complete what I've called you to do. Think about this for a second, because I'm I am 41 years old and I wake up with aches and pains and and I, I I have sometimes I think what did my wife do to me in my to my neck last night? What we were we were we were cool with each other when we put our heads to the pillow, but I I woke up and for some reason my my neck can't turn the one way or the other. Sometimes you feel like you've been like a Mack truck and I'm 41 I'm 41 (laughs) Noah's 500 years old (laughs) what Lord you want me to build a what like a kayak I get it you know like a small boat okay no 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 I want something for your family and pretty much every creation, male and female. I'm sorry? I'm 500 years old. 
If anybody had the right to scream out their age and to scream out the aches and the pains and the environment of the absurdity was so palpable in that moment. God, I'm old. I'm tired. I'm worn out. But I want us to understand that the world didn't experience any types of like rain floods before this time. Some people will argue that it was a very kind of dry type of atmosphere. I'm not even going to, to really get into that. I'm not going to say I believe that as well. So they never seen rain before in their days. That's not necessarily the truth. The truth is this, that no one has ever seen a type of judgment that God was going to bring that upon them that, that time. No one understood the severity. No one understood the, the, what, it, what, it, what it really meant to, to uh, live righteous and live for something you don't see and live for something that you don't understand completely and live for something that's bigger than you and live for something that is greater than you and live for something that you just can't put in a box completely. Live for something that your intellect can't control. Live for something that is greater than great, that, you know, that, that spoke the world in existence, that, that hung the stars, that made the waters run, that put the firmament in position and in places. That's the thing Noah was talking to. He was talking to something that no one understood because humanity, humanity was so wicked and so evil. There he is, 500 years old. Oh, he goes and starts to get wood and gets his hammers. I didn't want to bring a bunch. I just wanted to bring a few things just to labor my point. But he begins, he's, he's, he's tired. Some say when you look at that 120 years and by the time he, he uh, uh, received received instruction and the fact that he was told that his his um, the ark would save his wife, his sons and his wives some believe that he didn't have other sons yet, that he only had probably maybe one son at the time uh, that they were young, they were probably two years old or they were very in their adolescence and that you know they haven't married some believe that that uh, it took him not the full 120 years to build that because when God spoke that word, he wasn't speaking to Noah. He was just speaking it into existence. And so the fact that we know that Noah started building at age 500, but we later read that Noah finished it up. The flood came at age 600. Right. So 100 years would be that time span. So building the ark took, took shorter time than 120 years. Regardless, I'm not, I'm not trying to get too nitty-gritty. I'm trying to just flex my matman muscles a little bit. But what I want us to truly grasp is the day in and the day out. The fact that Noah every single day grabbed some wood, some gopher wood, and he came and he began to, this is what you began to hear in distances. That noise right there is a noise that perpetually sounds in my neighborhood. They decided to build an entire uh, uh, community in my backyard. They, they completely cleared acres and acres. Actually, Brother Mattman was looking to almost buy a house in there. I was hoping he would so I could just walk over to my friend's house. <laughs> 
apparently like a penguin. <laughs> but what I've heard for years is this noise. Nails constantly driving into, into wood. Preparing houses and preparing things. That's the noise that went forth in that community day in and day out for years. People all around him would come around and mock him. What are you doing, you idiot? What are you doing, fool? And he would just constantly say, well, I'm, I'm trying to get something ready. He would just keep on pounding nails into wood, fastening board to board, making sure that salvation was always secure. I'm just trying. I'm just trying to do my best. I, I want you to understand that I, I need you to see what I'm trying to do here. It's, it's, it, doesn't make, it, it doesn't make sense. It hasn't rained that much in so long that, I, I, that people are going, it's dry. It's, we've never, I don't even know what a flood is. I, I don't know what you're even talking about. How could you say that it, it, we're going to be flooded, that everything is going to be underwater? He's just trying his hardest. He goes, it is, my friend. It, it will be. I'm telling you right now, it will be. It will be. There'll be a time. Oh, could you pass me that board, please? I can see him doing that, too. Please, I, I'm, I'm 500. <laughs> Of 515. <laughs> Can you hand me that board? I'm sure, you know, I, sometimes I feel bad for my kids for being born in a pastor's house. I feel bad for Japheth, Ham, and Shem. My God. Yeah, Dad, here you go. It's this little kid just a little holding this board as best he could, bringing it up to Dad because their entire life, their entire life, all they heard was... Ask me those nails, son. Go bring me another board, son. Oh, come on. Help me out here. Grab that hammer. Finish that side with me. Come on. Fasten. Make sure. Make sure that's watertight, son. Over and over and over again. And as we, as we see, as we hear humanity just hearing that noise, I'm sure many of them, just like me, I go to bed at times thinking, is somebody hammering? Is somebody, somebody in the middle of the night, am I just hearing things because it's now just etched into my memory? No doubt his family heard pounding constantly. Get those boards fastened. Get that salvation ready. Get that thing secure. Make sure it's not leaky. Make sure it will float. Make sure it will survive. Make sure you keep going. And the entire time the Bible will tell us in, in 2 Peter 2 and 5 we know this, that he was called a preacher of righteousness. So after he would spend time, hours he would take time to probably go down to the community square and everybody would know who he is. Oh, here comes that crazy guy. Here comes Noah. Here comes that man who won't leave us alone and he's the one who's making that racket out in that field. And Oh, he's, he's just crazy. Oh, no, what's he, what, what does he have to say? He would say, repent. Turn from your wicked ways. Live right. Live right. 
Stop doing evil continually. Stop living for self. God is real. God is real. And he's going to come and he's going to destroy the earth. He's going to destroy the earth. But I'm building a place for you. I'm trying to etch out space for you. Come help me. Help me build this ark. Over and over and over. Oh, how long did he continue to do that? How how tiresome, how how weary everybody's looking at him and wondering, don't it's not gonna happen. It ain't gonna it ain't gonna come to fruition. And when Noah was born in a world of wickedness, he was he was very much part of that world. And when I told you that every man was evil, so was Noah. So was Noah. He was evil in his heart. He was evil in his life. But he continued to prepare an ark for the saving of his house. He continued to prepare an ark and preach righteousness as much as he possibly could. Every single nail he drove, every board he fastened, he had to be hoping this will keep the flood and judgment out of our lives. Every time he drove another nail, I'm sure he had to hope... God, let this hold. Let this hold in God's judgment. Let this hold that nothing gives out and gives away. I'm sure it began to play a, a part in his mind. The, the sheer amount of weight and tonnage that was going to be carried by that arm. The sheer amount of weight and gravity that a soul weighs. Oh, my God. Oh, what, how, what does a soul weigh? What kind of weight does your soul have on eternity? What type of weight does a life have on, your, on this day and age right now? That's the type of mentality Noah was having. Oh, I, mm, I got to make sure that's tough. I gotta, I've got to make sure that's fastened. Oh, I got to drive that nail. I've got to drive it as far as I can. It's got a hold. It's got a hold for this body. It's got a hold for these people. It's got a hold for creation. It's got a hold. It's got a hold. My, it depends on my son's life. Oh, my son's life. I can see him. I can see him. There's, you know how many nails? Do we understand how, 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 how long it took to hew the boards and how, how long it took? Every, everything was touched and handled by Noah. There had been a moment too where he's thinking man this is our family quarters oh my god if this goes everything goes oh if my family goes I have nothing to live for oh I'm so excited by the thing that God told me and promised me that oh it'll be the saving of a family I've never met before oh it's going to help generations beyond me oh it's going to help somebody I've never met I'm going to have a grandchild that a I'm building this for. I'm going to I'm going to have a daughter-in-law, a couple of them, a few of them that I've never met before. I got to make sure I got to make sure their quarters is up to par. That's all they heard. Day in day out. Constantly hammering. Constantly just just showing up. He got, he just did everything. Hebrews 11 and 7 gives us a powerful point. It says, By faith, Noah, 
being warned of God of things not seen yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house by which he condemned the world and became the heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Yes, I want you to get that. Noah was motivated by fear. I wish some of us were motivated by fear. Some of us need to be motivated by fear. Some of us need to have a real revelation of what hell will feel like. Oh, what hell's gonna look like? What hell is gonna? What, what hell's gonna take away from you? Well, who's not going to be? Hell's is simply, in my opinion, the absence of God all altogether. Right. Besides the weeping, the gnashing of teeth. Oh, I've had moments where I've wept. I've had moments where I've weeped. I have moments where I've gnashed my teeth in pain and hurt. But every single time, I had the presence of God in my midst. But I've never experienced. We have never experienced a pain or a sorrow of that understanding and a void we'll never truly understand unless, get me now get me now, unless you're in hell God grip me, oh that's what happened, Noah, right back at I'm sure he was tired oh man was a 500 plus year old tired oh man just see him working on some finishing touches. I could see him. I could see the family, the rest of the family, worn out by the work. And he says, you know what? I'm just, uh, I'm sorry to keep you up, but I just, I've got a little more hammering to do. I got some more boards. I need a fasten. And every time he did, he was thinking judgment is coming. I'm moved. I'm moved by the fear. I'm moved by judgment. It drives ju- judgment is what it's it's, it's, motiv- it's motivating. Judgment of, of missing out on heaven, missing out on his goodness, and missing out on his eternal mercy. Oh, it makes me drive the nails even deeper. Oh, I, I have no doubt. I have no doubt Noah outworked his young sons. <sighs> Because his young sons didn't have the same relationship as Noah did with God. Noah heard from God. And man, was he motivated. Yes, Noah was motivated by fear. But I want you to understand something so powerful. It wasn't fear that made him build that ark. It was grace that made him do it. When Noah was born in a world of wickedness, there was a moment, a real season, where there wasn't a single, single righteous person. There wasn't a single holy person at all. There was not a single soul that honored its creator. And there, God is stewing in anger. God is so sorry. God is weeping in heaven. And he's thinking, oh, 
I, I'm, I'm repenting right now. Before Noah would ever be handed blueprints, before Noah would ever talk with God. I want us to read it, Genesis 6 and 7. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I've made them. I want you to get this. It's so powerful and so so poignant to understand that even, even when there wasn't a, a time where God was looking to use somebody, when a time where God was so angry at himself and repentance was flowing out of his being, the next verse says this, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Before, before, before anything, any nail would be driven into a board, before the door of that ark would close up, before the floods would be released and humanity taken, oh, before that covenant was given to Noah and his family of, of, of keeping and protection, there was a God so sick of humanity, but still, even when God was through, God's grace still was available. Yeah. Wow, God's grace was still to be found. And thank God for a sinner. Thank God for a reprobate. Thank God for a person so far removed from righteousness named Oh, he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He found grace in God. He held on to him. He found what was so necessary. Every time someone would ask, why, Noah, are you doing it? For years and years, years, hand me that board. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, hey, Noah. When are you going to be completed? I don't know when I get it done. Whenever he says it's done. Whenever he tells me to get on that boat. Whenever he calls. God, why are you doing it? Oh, why are you even bothering? Oh, he had to have moments where he said, it ain't just me. It ain't my doing. It's grace that's making me do it. You don't get it. It's hard for you to understand, to wrap your mind around it. But I left those addictions I used to be a part of. I gave up that world we all lived in. I was a citizen of sin, but I, I got out. I used to be ugly. I used to be so, so just like everybody else. But God gave me grace, and I'm so grateful for his grace. Oh, I'm so grateful for his grace. Yes, 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 yes. I'm fearful of judgment. Yes, I want to make sure. I want to make sure that this is that this is secure. Yes, I'm motivated, but I'm not driven by fear. I'm driven by grace. Grace is making me do this. Grace is making me live a righteous life. Grace is making me live unto him a holy life. Grace is helping.
me get through things and trusting him. It's grace. It's not my own doing. It's grace that's making me do it. It's grace. Every single time, every single nail. Yes. Yes, fear. Fear's a motivator, but I want you to hear me. Fear fades away. Oh, how do I know that, pastor? I know that because I see it. I've preached, I've preached hell before. I've seen people run to repentance. I've seen grip. I see the fear of grip just grab a hold of their hearts and pull them down to sorrow. Pull them down to a place where they say, God, forgive me. But I also see it fade away. I see them stop coming to church and stop being faithful and stop and stop being obedient to the word of God and stop being stop being faithful to these letters and pages and, and, and stop living a holy life because all oh, fear is fading away. It wasn't fear that finished that ark. It was grace. The thankfulness, the overwhelming thankfulness that I'm going to skip on your judgment. Judgment is going to bypass me and my family. Your favor you've given me, God. Oh, it's the reason why I love you. It's the reason why I'm able to do this. It's the reason why a Christian can be a Christian today. It's the reason why we're able to say no to things and abstain from some things and walk away the opposite way of the world. It's the reason why I want to live holy. It's the reason why I want to live set apart and set for him. It's the reason why I'm sold out to this. It's not because I'm doing it. It's because grace is making me do it. Grace. Grace is a relationship. Grace is that favor and love with him. Fears, it has its place. But relationship keeps you coming. Relationship does things that nothing else will do. Someone said something very, very um, interesting that love will make you do some things. <laughs> I think someone got slapped about it. <sighs> that love, that relationship, that grace will bring you the entire way through. God, I want reverence. God, I want a renewed fear in my life. Yes, it makes sure that I cross my T's and dot my I's, but the reason I'm writing those T's, the reason I'm making sure those I's are there is because of grace. It's because of relationship. Grace made Paul do it. Grace made the Apostle Paul the Apostle Paul. Nothing else. Grace made a murderer an apostle. 1 Corinthians 15 and 9, Paul would write, For I am the least of the apostles that I am not meet to be called an apostle because I am persecuted because I've done it I've persecuted the church of God I've killed them I've hunted them down but by the grace of God I am what I am and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain but I labored more abundantly than they all yet not I but the grace of God which was with me Oh, man, I wish we could get that. 
What am I trying to say to somebody here? I'm trying to get you to understand. Paul outworked everybody. Paul was the least of the apostles, he calls himself. But he outworked everybody in the ministry. He did more than anybody. He, 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 I could go on the list where he talks about how he's been shipwrecked and all those types of things that he's gone through. And, and, and on top of all those things, he had to care for the churches, all those things. He was making a strong point that everything about me, the reason I'm living this life is not because of me. It's because of the grace of God. Here's, here's an excuse we cannot have anymore. We cannot say that I'm unable to do something. We can't say, well, yeah, man, I've been there. I've been there before I was a pastor where I, where I was stuck into a perpetual rut of making excuses. I still make excuses. It's humanity's fault. But now I realize my weaknesses. I realize my struggles. And I've got to understand that grace is sufficient. And that he's perfect. He's strong in weaknesses. That verse tells us that that grace is sufficient for thee. Therefore, you got to glory in those weaknesses. You've got to realize you could have never done this without him. Everybody in here isn't here on, on just their own accord. It's because a gracious God gave you breath in your lungs and strength in your body to bring you down a road, to walk you through a door, to sit you on a seat, to be in an environment of praise and worship. It ain't on you. It's on him. Grace made me do it. Grace made me wake up today. Grace made me walk this walk. What makes an addict stop shooting up? It's grace. What makes what makes a liar stop lying it's grace I'm stop, I, I hate this whole oh I'm going to get stronger thing that it's me 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 no you're weak you're falling apart you're corruptible there's nothing good about you you're flesh if there's anything good it's his grace Amen. yield to it understand that grace made me do everything understand that I give it over to him and I'm thankful for it and when you do that when you realize when you realize that nothing you did saved yourself you got to understand we are saved by who grace when you realize that and you hold the fact that you are undeserving you're so undeserving oh my god you don't deserve a second chance oh, oh you don't deserve you don't deserve i don't deserve it I don't deserve to be on this ark. I don't deserve to have a space etched out for me. Oh, I'm vile, I'm ugly, what I used to be. Oh my God, I, my God, I can't believe I found it. Oh, I can't believe I stumbled into it. I can't believe that it was still there. I can't believe that grace was still, still available, even when he was so angry. Even when he, even when he was so through with me. Wow. 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 
done with me you were done with me but I still found grace how can I not finish what he's called me to do how can I not stop building a salvation for myself and for my family how how the apostle would say I marvel that you are so far removed from that grace he was marveled by people who would walk away how how could you possibly do that it's before I walked up here we can all stand before I walked up here to preach this message God God revealed a truth to me that even even when he was so sick of us and, and, he, and he was tired of us and he was done with us and repented him that he made us and he planned to destroy us oh God showed me a truth that's so powerful people people only repent because of sin sin calls for repentance is it possible that God sinned Is it possible that an almighty God did something he wished he never did? That if he could have done it again, he would have done it differently. It's that kind of question. Can God make a rock so big that he can't move it? Right? But this is what God showed me as I was taking these steps up here. Even in the sin that, that, that God is repenting in, He reminds me this wherever sin abounds, the greatest, even around the greatest sin, the, the, the greatest depths of sin, the most powerful sinner, oh my God, wherever sin abounds, grace doth much more abound. And I can't help but think to myself, oh, some of us miss out on grace because we're just simply not seeking it. But I thank God for a sinner named Noah who found something worthy to be sought out. Oh, church. How do I want to end this? How do I want to end this service? 
I was thinking to myself, how do I land this plane? How do I, how do I get us to the altar? And I'll tell you what I'll do. I'm not ending this service in a spirit of repentance and I'm not ending it in anything else but just what this is. Some need to be grateful for grace and rejoice in the grace God has given you but some need to seek it out. Some need to be obedient to the grace that God has available to us. If you're a sinner in this place, I've got good news. I've got great news. Grace doth much more abound. It is here it is more abundant than the sin you're facing. Oh, if you've already have been walking in his light, keep walking. Keep, oh, buddy. Oh, keep pounding nails. Keep keep doing it. Keep putting board on board. Keep saying, God, thank you. Strengthen me as I build, as I build my salvation. If you were encouraged by this message and you would like to connect with Ephesus Church or you would like to get in contact with the leadership of this church, please visit EphesusChurch.com. Thank you for being a part 